0: Greetings everyone and welcome to episode 28 of Teaching Tales. I am Brent Coley, your host. This is the podcast totally devoted to sharing stories. Everyone loves a good story. And today I am super stoked to have George Garcia join me. George, how you doing, man? Great, Brent, thanks for having me on. Um... Awesome. awesome, George, we, we have never, this, today we're speaking for the first time. We we met virtually through Bill Selleck. Mm -hmm. A a mutual friend for anyone listening, uh, Bill Selleck was episode 3 of Teaching Tales, so you can go back and listen to that one. We talked a lot about risk taking, and Bill recommended you got to talk to George. George has some great stories to share, so I'm stoked, George, to talk to you. So so for me as well, because we've never met in person, tell listeners, tell my mom and dad and anyone else who happens to be listening, (laughs) who is George Garcia? What does George Garcia do?
1: Um, I'm George Garcia, and I work in Santa Clara, California by the 49er Stadium, um, and I am a STEAM and PBL instructional coach. Up here, we call them TOSAs, but I just don't like that. I'd rather be an instructional coach because the way I I coach is more of a side-by-side instead of me coming in with a little bit of flash and glimmer and then walking away. To me, it's like an ongoing relationship where I'm learning as well as teaching, so I, I really take that on strongly that it's more than just a name but it's something i
0: embody oh and i they're called TOSIS in our district as well and i would i would concur with you I, i love the term instructional coach side by side not here's what you're supposed to do let me know if you have any questions but pretty much what we're supposed to be doing in the classroom is coaching students uh by their side well all right. Well, well. today when we talked about kind of we had some Voxer messages going back and forth deciding, well, what are we going to talk about? And you said, I've got some stories to share about, and I loved what you said. It's the title of this broadcast, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And right now, I mean, in, in your current role as an instructional coach, you're helping teachers in your school, in your district, learn new technologies learn new instructional strategies i'm a principal of an elementary school so i'm trying to trying not perfect but trying to be an instructional leader and help help my teachers learn new strategies and that is oftentimes uncomfortable would you agree
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. my life right now is comfortable being uncomfortable that's that's where i live STEAM is not something that comes with a adopted curriculum. So it's uh, this integrated model. The whole idea of STEAM is something that you can talk to three different people and get three different definitions. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of new territory. It's uncharted territory in some places, especially here in Santa Clara where we're still trying to wrestle with it. My job when I got it, I asked, so what's the STEAM and PBL position entail? And they said, well, you define it. <laughs> like, okay. oh, yeah. So this, this is uh it's a trailblazing type of year in couple years. And I've been in some situations where uh, it's been very uncomfortable and you kind of fake it till you make it. Kind yeah. of. So that's where I live.
0: Awesome. And for anyone listening who is unfamiliar, STEAM, an acronym for science, technology, engineering, art, mm-hmm. mathematics. Did I get that right, George?
1: Totally. Nailed it.
0: Well, here's STEM oftentimes, but now the new acronym is we're, we're putting art in there as well. And PBL projects, project-based learning. So if anyone's not familiar with those. Okay, so George, in, in your role, you're working with teachers and you'd mentioned that you have some stories that go along the lines of <laughs> working with people and, and helping them become more comfortable with being uncomfortable. So tell, tell us a story, George.
1: Okay, so this last year, uh, the principal that at one of the schools that we're working at is STEAM and PBL. Um, focused school, new teachers, all of them signed on with the idea that they had the growth mindset and they're going to try something new. None of them have any training on Steam and PBL at all. I mean, very little. All last year, they went through trainings. So, we're in a training about design thinking, and I'm with this teacher, fabulous teacher, phenomenal, and we're doing a design challenge. Well, time comes up at the end of the design challenge, and her product doesn't work, and I see her from across the table doing one of these things, you know, and having a freak out inside of her body. And, you know, this is a mid 30s uh, lady, um, professional teacher who's yeah. trying to sit there and hold back her freak out. Yeah. And so I asked, and I, I knew something was wrong. So I asked, her, I'm like, so are you okay? She said, well, <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. I just, I needed more time. I And you could tell she was almost about to cry. Wow. Um, and what's funny about that, and not funny, it's not funny to see someone freak out, but what's typical about that and normal about that is we all go through that feeling of if I had a few more minutes or I'm so upset because it didn't work, or, that frustration that you feel from not completing something, and then even more so being in a professional environment and in some respects looking incompetent, I couldn't do it. Oh, my! everyone's going to think well, this and that of me. And... So she had this huge freak out and she tried to pre- keep it together. As the year goes on, I do a lot of design challenges. And that moment keeps coming into my head mm-hmm. because I'm working with five year olds, four year olds for my TK all the way up to high school. And I started noticing something happening So almost every class I ever did a design challenge with, especially the first one. You'd have, you'd always have someone crying mm-hmm. by the end. And no matter what I did to set it up, explain it's okay if you feel frustrated, go through the emotions attached to it, almost always would I have one student cry. So I started, you know, getting used to it and, and you get comfortable in that space of someone's going to cry. You know, I even said in the last few design challenges, it's okay if you're frustrated and you feel like crying. If, you, if it happens to you, come to me. I I got your back. I know what to do. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, So, for example, I like to use is this one girl and we're in a design challenge of 100 TK students. Don't ask why we did 100. It just worked out that way. We had 100 students doing the same design challenge and this girl cried. And we stopped everything and I told everybody, come here, come around. And 100 kids, 100 little guys, come around. And I asked her, so honey, what's wrong? Do you feel frustrated? And she didn't know it was frustrating. Like, Do you feel sad? And it, was it because something didn't work? And she's like, yes. Yeah. So, like, so I asked the whole crowd, did anyone here have something that didn't work the first time? And all these hands go up. And she starts kind of looking up a little bit, sniveling, holding it back a little bit more. And so I said, did anyone feel sad at a moment because something didn't happen the way it was supposed to? And all these hands go up. And and then did anybody feel like they needed to cry? And then kind of had to hold it back. And like hands went up. and And what happened was for her, She got to identify the realness of how, well, not the fact that wasn't unique to her. Sure. She wasn't alone. Very typical. And then I use the example. You know, I was with a teacher the other day. Same thing happened to her. (laughs) Where she didn't cry necessarily, she all but cried. And um, you're five. It's okay to have these emotions when you're five. And it's good for us to have these now to work through them. So that you can be in a safe space. And then when you're 35, it's not anything because they're so used to it. Because it's cute when you're five, not so cute when you're 35. (laughs) So, um, and what happened was everyone we cheered for at the end. I'm like, who else feels like she does? And I'm like, cheer if you feel like that a little bit. And cheer. How many of you are ready to go back and try a little bit more? Cheer. And they went back and fell. And she like wandered back cleared up the, the tears, and she was on, you that know? Um, and that was such an important thing for our kids to experience. And the sooner we can have that okay to fail moment, okay to feel frustrated moment, okay to be in a place where you don't feel comfortable with something, the sooner we get through that, and the more we get through that, the more we get used to it. I mean, because I've flopped on lessons,
0: and yeah, i flopped
1: hard, but, What happens is, and I've had these days, where I go home, I'm driving home the whole time. I feel like, oh my gosh, that was awful. What am I gonna do? I'm an awful teacher. The next day I rock it because Mm -hmm. all of that reflection goes back into how I get better the next day. So that's my kind of long story to um, this uncomfortable space that we all feel. And a lot of us as adults never had the opportunity to be in a place where failure was celebrated. So we can give a gift to our kids and give them the gift of yeah, yeah. Uh, allowing that to be
0: okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, when, you, when you, you model you that, that, that example, that example mm-hmm. of, of failing in front of the kids, because I so many teachers are, I, w- I would say a, a large number, they're perfecting. They want to do things perfect. And, I mean, the model at our school is pursuing excellence. And one of the things when we introduced that model was, defining excellence that excellence is not the same as perfection i mean perfection is unattainable but we can pursue it all the time and if you pursue it you're going to get closer and closer to excellence but but teachers i mean and i'm speaking personally i was one that it's comfortable to be in control (laughs) Mm -hmm. when you are in control you know what's going to happen and now the shift in education is more towards innovation, and you said one of the things in one of our conversations before we started recording was that when, you, when you're when you pushing innovation, I mean, just by definition, innovation has never happened before. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's something that has, you're, when you're creating something new, you've never been there before. Pioneers didn't know what they were going to expect. So there is that unknown element, which can be terrifying. And I mean, are you seeing that when you work with your teachers that, that it's not so much that they don't want to try something new, but they don't want to look stupid <laughs> when they do it wrong? Do you think
1: there's a prof- I've heard there's a phrase for this. It's like professional, like they don't want to be seen um, incompetent in front of each other. So it's insecure, professional insecurity of of sorts. So what we're noticing in the teachers that are trying something new is we, we start off with the idea of this is where we think it's going to go. Mm-hmm. And we know it's not a straight line. It never will be. Uh, but every time we do it, it gets better. And yeah. I've even told teachers that are a little bit more apprehensive to do it whole group. I might do it small group. You know, if it flops, five kids lose five, 10 minutes. Yeah. Not a big deal. You know, like a beta test, if you will. Um, of of what it looks like. But I do know that a lot of the teachers that I work with that are not used to this, especially those that got really good at at control, command and control. You know, uh, I I try to ask, well, what if it wasn't command and control, but more like climate control? That's Mm -hmm. a little less, less stressful. And I, I had a friend of mine who gave a really good analogy when teachers put themselves up on a pedestal, anytime they slip or fall, everyone looks and like it's, there's so much more pressure being up on that pedestal. But if you take yourself down the pedestal and be side by side with the people that you are leading then everyone's looking for everyone else to succeed. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really where in the last few years that I was in the classroom, I did a lot more of guiding lessons where I was more on the side, you know, the guide on the side not the sage on the stage. I was guiding kids where I wanted them to go, but I didn't know exactly where we're going to go. But I know if they were a part of it, they were going to take ownership of it. And we had a shared responsibility for their learning. And that that alone for third graders was such a huge, huge shift because they would keep asking me, so this is okay, this is okay. I'm like, well, where, do you, where are we going with this? What, what's the point? Where's our, what's our North star? What's keeping us forward, going forward? Maybe it was researching butterflies that day. Are we getting the information we need? Are you learning about habitat? And yeah, we're doing good. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was great. And I noticed my teachers in this, in the school I'm working with this year or last year, did a lot of that really innovative stuff in May. Everyone asked, so why in May? If you're not a teacher, you, you don't know. But if you're a teacher, you know May, testing's over. Testing's done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So once testing was done, they tried a lot of stuff that they weren't going to normally. And it was the coolest thing because then they were coming to me going, it was awesome. I yeah. should have done this in September. <laughs> and it was the coolest thing. But it's because the pressures of testing were out of the way. Yeah. And they were able to actually enjoy the... Um, the space of letting their students do something that would be truly epic and they remember which this is what we're in the the business for i guess
0: yeah. anyway I, gosh i i love that that analogy that that you mentioned about the pedestal that 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 and i'm thinking it's almost i don't know if i don't want to use the wrong word ironic paradoxical but when we put ourselves on a pedestal as teachers as educators When you mess up and there's a longer way to fall, Mm -hmm. I mean, and you're going to get hurt, but it's almost, I would think it's easy to say harder to do that. If you take yourself off the pedestal, almost I'm picturing like that, that kindergarten teacher, that first grade teacher, or shoot, I've got fifth grade teachers who are doing it too, who literally get down on the floor with kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, forget the desk, forget that they're, they're, they're sitting on the floor with kids. If you fall, if you mess up, there's nowhere to fall because you're already there with them. And I know that on um, the times that I made mistakes, which was like all the time, <laughs> and, and, and when you admit those mistakes, I think that's one of the things that teachers, I would encourage anyone listening, it's like, when you mess up, own it mm-hmm. and say, I mean, it's like, because it's like, if you haven't messed up, you're not learning anything. That's right. And, I mean, I, and I, somebody said that a lot smarter than me. I mean, that's not an original quote. If you're, not, if you're not trying anything new, you're not learning anything. And if you're not trying anything new, you're not messing up. Because if you're always doing what you always know, you're never learning anything new. So that's just I, – I, so, it would be so freeing for teachers to give themselves permission. And, and that's going to have the positive effect that, the te- that they don't have to be perfect in front of the kids. So anyway, do you, any other, any other stories or experiences? I mean, with, with teachers, for example.
1: Uh, Let's see. I'm trying to think of some of the other things that, that we started noticing. Um, At the beginning, um, anyone's start of something new leads to so much learning and growth that you're right. It's got to be something that's celebrated with each other. And one thing we're trying this year more is um, to, like you're saying, own it and celebrate failures and successes. Because a lot of teachers are scared to share their successes because they think that they come off like they're bragging.
0: Yeah.
1: And then they don't want to talk about anything that went wrong because they don't want anyone to think that they're not competent. (laughs) Uh, For the most part. Every once in a while, you'll get it seeping out in a staff room. Like, I can't believe this didn't happen. This didn't work but systematically trying to work that into staff meetings or work that into grade level meetings, you know, as like an opener, what was awesome? What was a big screw up? I mean, like, let's share those out because there's so much learning that can go on through that conversation.
0: Yeah. That's
1: kind of our next step here is to have those open conversations and that leads innovation. Um, uh, We did a lot of work with the genius hour and one of the, one of the activities we do with our kids before they start Genius Hours is called the Bad Idea Factory, <laughs> where they come up with as many bad ideas as they can for passions as possible in three minutes. I mean, it has to be school school safe, but mm-hmm. many bad ideas as you can. And it's so much fun because if I said, okay, everybody, pick a passion, you have about five minutes to pick one, go. It, it would leave everybody like in terror. like They would be in full anxiety. They don't know where to start. But if you start with, think of a bunch of bad ideas, gets the creative juices going. And sometimes the byproduct of that is good ideas. Sure. Or a little bad idea, and the opposite of that idea would be, that's it. You know? And So uh, we, do, there's a lot to be learned by a failure. Um,
0: I'm looking over your shoulder right now. I mean, there's an audio podcast, but we're recording through a Google Hangout. And over your shoulder, you've got a book that says, it's titled Mistakes That Work. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I lead a lot of the design challenges with this book.
0: And, and, and that's – it's just – I'm thinking right now of Post-its. I mean, like, the, the, the invention of, of the Post-it note, the sticky note, was an accident. I mean, I, I think if I recall the story that I've heard is the, the guy was trying to make glue or, or some kind of adhesive that wasn't sticky enough. And by, by that failure, if he was looking just at his primary goal was to make this certain adhesive, he has now, he ended up creating something that, my gosh, I don't know if I could do my job without sticky notes. I couldn't. Um, yeah. When I taught in the classroom, every one of my students had sticky notes. I It was like we took notes. I mean, I used them for, like, for everything, and that was a result of someone's failure mm-hmm. so how many how many like you said great ideas are coming out of something that didn't work the first time i mean edison and all these inventions i mean th- th- it never works the first time mm-hmm. never works the first time so now that's this is i'm just again i'm, I'm picturing all of the of the types of things because we're asking our teachers you're asking your teachers, I'm asking my teachers to do things differently, which can be frightening, <laughs> especially for somebody who perhaps has been teaching for a long time and they're they're they have a certain way that they do things and it has worked and now we're being asked to do it differently, and that can be that can be a challenge. So but I think you hit on it in that staff meeting where making it comfortable because i totally get it who wants to, i mean who wants to stand up and say i stink at this that i mean that just go especially professionally that that is a very who who wants to raise their hand and 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 share their their big i mean people don't want to do that mm-hmm. so i think it has to start with trust well, i mean and I'm i'm thinking that the teachers that you work with and the plc's the professional learning communities that we have here when we're when we're looking at data, for example, there has to be a level of trust with those teachers on a grade level team, because nobody's going to want to share test scores, for example,
1: mm-hmm. that
0: aren't as good as somebody else if there's not a level of trust. Because otherwise, it's going to be you're going to be afraid of judgment. Uh, oh, geez, what are they thinking? I didn't do this right. When we want to be like, hey guys, boy, I. I stunk I stunk at this. I mean I, I'm just coming to my mind right now. when I used to teach fifth grade, I taught next to um, a good friend named Brian who we both taught fifth grade. Brian's students wrote so much better than my students. When we would get together and co- and collectively grade uh, grade level prompts and essays for for the the benchmark assessments and stuff like that. I would always read his and, and be like thinking to myself, man, your, your students rock, dude. What? And then I would read mine. And it's not that mine were bad. The writing was – but his was – they were so much better. And it was the type of thing that because Brian and I had a good relationship, there was a level of trust, I was able to go to Brian and say, dude, what are you doing <laughs> in writing? Because your kids write better than mine do. Can you show me what you're doing? Like, like, like literally, like, how do, how, look at this descriptive paragraph. Did you do something special to get that? Because I got, I got some bright kids who I think are pretty good, but they're not doing what your kids are doing. Show me what you did, and he did. And by doing that, my kids then, he was able to transfer his area of expertise to me. And then my kids became better writers because of Brian. But I don't think that if we didn't have that that level of trust, I don't think I would have been comfortable going to him and Mm -hmm. saying, hey, Brian, will you look at my writing? Because I might have been afraid that he's looking thinking, dude, this is (laughs) (laughs) – Do you even teach, Brent? I mean, I I would have been afraid that he might have been thinking, wow, you you stink as a writing teacher. But but it wasn't that way. It was, oh, no problem, man. Let me come alongside you. Let me help you out. And there were other ways in other – I mean, I'm thinking there was a social studies note-taking technique that I used that I was able to share with Brian. He was like, hey, what are you doing there? That's pretty cool. Can you show me that? And I was able to kind of share an area of strength that I had where the writing was the area of strength that he had. So, I mean, do you see that in terms of the, the need for trust?
1: Oh, absolutely. Gotta have that. It, absolutely. And it, and it's, it's modeled first when, when somebody is comfortable doing it in front of others, usually it only takes a few to model that kind of um, talk. But yeah, it does. It, and it's, in some ways it's almost got to be part of your protocols, you know, like, because what will happen is some of the, the failures will be small at first and then they will get bigger. And then people will really start coming out of their shell. Like, Oh, somebody, you know, they shared with me, I, I feel open to share with them. It's not going to be in a group with like a whole staff meeting. It's probably better in a grade level meeting,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but um, you know, it just, just to share that out because you learn so much more from it. And, um, yeah it's one of those things that I model as i as I do presentations. oh, this kind of this is not what I really wanted to do here, but since this is kind of where we're going, like you can teachers can understand other teachers and can sympathize with each other. It doesn't always have to be a competition. We're all on the same team essentially. so it doesn't make sense for one person to keep the information from another when we're all working together for one common goal and that's educating children the best we can and we we don't have it all, but you no, know, individually, we don't have it all together, but together we have it all. Mm-hmm. So we can share and learn from each other that way. And, and it's, it's just the way that, that it's got to be. I mean, we ask our kids to collaborate, to, um, to all the four C's critically think and all these other things and communicate with each other, but we don't do it. Yeah. We spend so much time outside of the classroom doing all of the maintenance stuff that we don't have enough time to really do any of the things that actually help us hone our craft. Yeah. And if we, if we want to preach it, we need to start practicing it. And the four C's are a great way to start communication, yeah. collaboration, critical thinking. And I always forget the fourth one. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm the worst uh, steam coach ever. What's critical? <laughs> I always forget it. But anyway, there's another one in there. Uh, creativity. There it goes. Okay. So all those things we need to start practicing even if we're a little uncomfortable with them. We're all uncomfortable with them. We're all the same basically same platform together um starting together with those four because they're new.
0: Well, I I think it's great that that just what you're doing, your position is coming alongside and modeling and showing people how to do that because I mean, in our district right now, we're we're shifting away uh, for for a uh, an online math program that we've been very steeped in for a long time and we're now shifting away from that and and putting our focus more as a district on uh number talks uh joe Bowler's research on mathematical mindsets and just having steep students really go deep with numbers i saw a couple of our t- uh, teachers do it today and it was awesome i mean just for example 17 plus 49, a group of fourth graders, and having them mentally, okay, what is 17 plus 49? And then explain how they got that. And it was so neat to see the various ways. It's like, oh, my gosh, I didn't think to do it that way. But they're still (laughs) getting the answer. But but my point is we're shifting away from something that teachers are comfortable with. Mm -hmm. It's something that they have been doing for a long time time, and now we're saying, okay, guys, now we need to start shifting over here, and I think it's really important, I mean, we're bringing in some training for that, because to just say, all right, guys, I know we used to do this, I want you to stop doing this, I know I want you to start doing this, ready, go! (laughs) It's, I mean, it's like we got a new language arts curriculum, and to just say, all right, here's your new TEs, go!
1: (sighs) They need
0: more than that. I mean, it's they didn't do that. I mean, we we got training before school started, and there's going to be ongoing training. But that's the district recognizing that. Oh, you can't just you can't just tell people do this differently. We have to show them how you can do it differently, and like you said, give them permission to fail. I mean, that is, I mean, I, I preach that all the time but i'm having to constantly remind myself brent it's easy to tell my teachers hey guys it's okay if you fail i think i mean as i'm talking about this right now i'm i'm reflecting on the fact that okay put my put yourself in their shoes brent your principal is telling you it's okay to fa- fail it may take a while for them to believe that though <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean it, it be, because they're being evaluated and all that kind of i mean it's like You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I mean, it's easy to say it's oftentimes harder to believe or really internalize uh, as a teacher. I don't know if that makes sense.
1: No, it it totally makes sense. As a teacher, you want to come off as a person that knows everything and has expertise in this and is, is solid. And when things change, your ground gets taken from under you and you're in front of 30 faces and you've got to You've got to pretend that you still know it all, but you don't, and um, things may not go the way they're supposed to. But if if you go in there with the idea that you have to have it all right, there's more times that you're going to fail than if you go in with the idea of, we're going to see where this takes us.
0: Yeah,
1: we're gonna we're gonna go with this, and and it does take a while for people to believe that their principles are really behind the idea yeah. that failure is okay. It's going to have to take the, um, you know, the reinforcement, kind of like with that girl that I was talking about that had that had all these feelings and, and we celebrated that, you know, because if you celebrate it more, then that's okay. And if we learn from it, think about having the conversation of I blew this and two weeks later I did it again and it rocked mm. because I've done design challenges with a couple grade levels last year that I did the same activity at the beginning of the year at and then at the end of the year, beginning of the year, loads of tears more than five kids crying because it was just so much for them it was the spaghetti <laughs> challenge and all the spaghetti started breaking with these second graders and it was just it was horrible i mean heads down i'm the worst person in the world why would i have second graders do this they have no preparation for this well they cried they debriefed with their teacher in their classroom six months later we do it again and they nailed it i'm like oh okay not to say that the first one that's not something you should do it's not a model to follow (laughs) but but to be able to come back to it and go oh i totally know how that first one blew it and i'll never do that again once you walk that path and you realize where the potholes are then you don't do it again and and then you're super successful and then you have new kids and things change you know everything's adapting teaching is so there is no one way of doing it and, and there's different kids and different personalities. So once you think you have teaching nailed You should probably retire
0: because there's no yeah, way That that's so funny. You say that it's kind of like as soon as you I, I've always said that as soon as you think, you know Everything it's time to quit. Yeah, it, because you'll you'll never know everything and as you're saying that it's just like grit grit and perseverance are are words that are TKers. like you said, I mean my four-year-olds in the school they hear the word perseverance and grit. And that's one of the things as teachers that we have to we have to let kids fail mm-hmm. and not always swoop in and 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 oh no, no let me let me do this for you. It's almost like tying a kid's shoe. Mm-hmm. You tie a kid's shoe forever. I mean, as a parent, my kids know how to tie their shoes. Why? Because I let them struggle sometimes with tying the shoes. Oh, that's okay, you can't do it. Let me let me get that for you. Then my seventeen-year-old daughter would still be, Daddy, I need you to tie my shoes. Sooner <laughs> or later, they'll get it, but they have to build up that stamina. Mm-hmm. And I, I, just like the fact that that you said that you're doing these types of activities with four-year-olds. I mean, f- I mean, as young as four. And yes, building that grit and building that perseverance.